Hi everyone, this is Yelena from Amazonia PPC, and today I have a very special guest with me, uh, Mr. Abe Tamali, who has his own uh, agency. We, today we're going to talk about uh, multiple strategies, some of the uh, mandatory parts of the strategy he uses for his uh, account management, as well as uh, most recent uh, event that happened in New York uh, last week called the SGTG event. Um, Dave, welcome and uh, thank you for being here today with us. Well, thank you for having me. I'm uh, happy to give some of my time to uh, help you and your audience a little bit. We're happy to have you. Um, can you tell us a little bit more about yourself? You have a very rich experience uh, in generally speaking in marketing, even before entering Amazon Marketplace. So we're happy to hear a little bit more about it. Sure. So, um, yeah, that's definitely true. Um, I've actually been selling since 1991. I've been around for a while. Even before there was internet, um, I was selling electronics and we were advertising in the back of different magazines. So we take uh, half page and full page advertisements and take phone calls all day long and answer questions, you know. So that was a whole adventure for almost a decade before there was an internet to sell into. Uh, once the internet came along, we were one of the first people selling on the internet. We started out with uh, Yahoo stores. Mm -hmm. You know, that was a nice platform which gave us an ability to work off of Yahoo's network and also to uh, to, to have a pre-built set for product pages, sort of like what Amazon is doing now for sellers. Um, Yahoo stores went for a few years and then we migrated to having our own website. Um, we did that for close to another decade until Amazon came along and started taking all the business, uh, you know, from everywhere else. Mm -hmm. And uh, for the past decade, I was selling on Amazon. Um, about two years ago, uh, a couple of people that I knew came to me and asked me for help with their accounts, uh, specifically with their advertising. And um, as I started to help them, I said, you know, this is a good amount of work and I'm actually enjoying it. Maybe I'll take over your accounts for you. Uh, they were very happy to have me do that. Um, and I was excited to see that the experience I had in electronics translated very well to other product categories. Um, and I started to say to myself, maybe this is an interesting way to use my experience in a way that's uh, more creative than just working on the 2018 model of the digital camera instead of the 2017 or 2016 model. Mm -hmm. um, spent six months working with those couple of clients. I liked it very much. They were very happy with the results. And at the beginning of 2019, I started to do this full time. So right now I'm about a year in, a year into consulting full time. I've got uh, about three dozen clients across almost all of the categories in Amazon. And um, it's been very interesting seeing a lot about what happens on Amazon from a lot of different viewpoints of sellers. Yes, it's um, always very exciting. I can understand your point of view as we also run a consulting business and there are many, many different angles and uh, business strategies that people use that, that you have access to that you can you know, apply across accounts. But there's also a healthy amount of testing that needs to be done in order to figure out you know what works and what doesn't but um yeah um tell us a little bit about the services that your agency offers so the main service i offer is managing advertising for people that sell on amazon 
Mm -hmm. um, I run the PPC campaigns. I create the PPC campaigns. Um, you know, there are, of course, many different types of advertising on Amazon that go into the display advertising and retargeting. So I work with all of those types of advertising for sellers. And although that's the main focus, it does connect to other services as well. Mm -hmm. So I help clients with yes. listings. I can create listings or fix listings. Um, I can help them optimize their listings by doing uh, competitive research on their products against the against the uh, environment that's on Amazon. Um, I also do general consulting. One of the things that uh, people like about working with me is that I do have broad experience in a very competitive environment. Mm -hmm. I have had my listings taken over, and I've had hijackers, and I've had, well, you know, I've had the lawsuits that I've, I, I've had to file, and I've been the target of lawsuits. So nothing, almost nothing a client tells me will be something that I haven't heard of before. And um, clients want that help, so it turns into actual consulting. So I can help people strategize and put issues into perspective and find both short-term and long-term planning for their business models. Mm -hmm. um, I don't necessarily do that for anybody that comes along, but I'll typically offer it as an additional service for people that I'm working with on advertising. So That's it's really advertising plus. Yeah, the, the best way to describe the model is advertising plus. And it is the most um, appropriate version of the advertising services, at least for Amazon, in my experience. Just doing PPC is not always going to be enough because there are so many other things that affect PPC results. So you have to like dabble in product listing optimization and copywriting and add, you know, imagery design and, and stuff like that, that does help uh, conversion rates rise overall, but it also helps, you know, PPC when, when you actually look at it. So I um, definitely understand. Of course, one of, one of the first, yeah, I mean, one of the first things we do whenever a client or a prospect comes to me is we don't just look at what's happening inside the Amazon account. The first thing we have to do is look at their actual listings. Mm -hmm. And in a lot of cases, I can do everything that's available to do within Seller Central, but unless they have seven pictures instead of one picture that they took with their phone, yeah. they're not going to sell no matter what we spend on advertising. So, and those have, that's happened in some cases. You know, yeah. we'll, we'll add a full image set or we'll add EBC to account that is mysteriously branded. You know, they took the time and the effort to register their brand, but never did any of the next steps that uh, with the tools that are available for them. So I'll tell them, you've got brand registry, you're eligible for all different extra programs. You need to start working with those programs and it'll all tie in together. Exactly. Exactly. Like, you know, when the when e-commerce business starts to grow, there's so many things to deal with and outsourcing can be really, really helpful just to have someone to handle that portion of work so that you can focus on what you do best, which is usually sellers that are most successful. They're uh, usually best at doing product research and development and then, you know, negotiation with suppliers, shipment stuff. Just there's overall a lot of work to be done and um, usually they'll find partnership uh, with marketing very helpful. Um, okay, yeah, so I would definitely if, agree with that. I... Yeah. Um, we, we before this uh, call, we discussed some topics that we we wanted to cover, and um, I had a suggestion that you might share some of the strategies and some of the core basics of 
what do you cover in your strategies in every account? Like, for example, if there's one thing that you would recommend sellers to never miss out on, what would that be? Sure. So I'll answer that in two parts. The first thing I'll say is one thing that sellers always need to do and take the effort to do is whenever they're setting up product campaigns is to put every single SKU that they're advertising in a separate product group. Mm -hmm. um, no product group should have more than one SKU. And the reason for that is part of what we do with advertising is to refine it over time. We will want to give, you know, campaigns that work, you want to give them more budget. Campaigns that don't work and search terms that don't work, you'll want to make them negative or adjust bids. You know, there's a lot to do over time. It's not just set it up and run it. Mm -hmm. And what ends up happening is the way we do all those adjustments is by focusing on and understanding the data that Amazon gives us from campaigns that are run. The way that Amazon gives us that data is with the search term report, and they'll typically tell us a term or an ASIN or you know some you know whatever the data point might be. They'll tell us performance in a group, and if we have more than one product in the group, we can't tell what the data is telling us about. So I was giving an example before we got you know before we started the video of uh, color T-shirts. So if a seller has red and green and blue t-shirts and they put them all into one group and then say, for example, they start getting clicks for orange t-shirts. If this orange t-shirt clicks are not selling, you don't know whether they came to the product page of the red t-shirt or the green t-shirt or the blue t-shirt. So you don't know which one to stop the ad, you know, stop that orange t-shirt for. On the other hand, if your style might have a lot of orange in it, even though it's considered a blue or green t-shirt and you're getting a lot of sales on it and you want to increase the advertising, again, you won't know which of the colors are actually making the sales for orange. So by putting each SKU into its own product group, you'll know what the search terms are matching to. Mm -hmm. And that goes across for, you know, across many different situations. If you have an account, which is, um, has hundreds or thousands of products in it and yeah. you want to run a catch-all campaign that just gives coverage to everything you sell, don't put all of the products into one group because you won't be able to tell what the advertising works for. By giving each product its own group, you'll be able to tell what's successful, what's not successful, and then to grow out advertising from there. So that's the answer to the first part of uh, sort of a mistake that I see a lot of sellers make and something to be cautious of. It's a little bit extra work to give uh, a group to every single SKU, but it's important. Um, the second thing is, the, the, as far as how to set up and how to run your accounts, of course, every type of account and every type of product will have its own special needs, but there is a standard setup that we use. Mm -hmm. uh, the first thing is that uh, we'll typically give campaigns over to one product. So if a seller has three different products, if they have a blanket and a towel and a t-shirt, we typically won't put those items together for advertising purposes. Each one will get their own campaigns. Um, but in addition to that, for each product that we're advertising, so for that towel, we'll start off with four campaigns most commonly. Mm -hmm. We'll start off with an auto campaign. 
we'll start off with a campaign for each of the three match types for uh, broad phrase and exact. And by doing that, it lets us tailor the advertising campaigns, the advertising budget, the spend, you know, over to each type. We found that um, when people have a manual campaign and that manual campaign just has all three match types in it, Mm -hmm. that it can get very messy quickly, especially when one type of campaign is outperforming or is very far behind the others. It's harder to make adjustments when they're grouped together in a campaign. So we'll start off with those, we'll start off with those four mm -hmm. and we'll let them run for a bit, whether it's a week or a month, uh, depending on the amount of traffic those campaigns get uh, till we get a nice amount of data to analyze and then we'll start to make adjustments. There are other campaign types, there are product targeting, and there are sponsored brands that run across the top of the page. Uh, there's display advertising, but typically to start where we're just figuring out where the product fits in the marketplace, mm -hmm. we'll start off with those basics and then see what's most appropriate to go forward with. I see. Um, when you say catch-all campaigns, can you tell us a little bit more about what you mean by that? Because, you know, that's a phrase, that's a phrase that usually comes from PPC professionals that who know what it is. But if there are so many, some sellers who might be interested in hearing more about what's the strategy behind the catch-all campaigns. Can you tell us sure. a little bit more? So, of course. So that starts off with a basic idea that Amazon likes advertising to be running on every product. Mm -hmm. If there are two competing products that are almost exactly identical, Amazon will give a better position to the item that is running advertising. Mm -hmm. um, a client once, a client that is a very large seller on Amazon once showed me a checklist of different points that Amazon likes to see in a listing. For example, they like to see a full set of images. They like to see characters over, you know, a title that's over a certain amount of characters. They like to see bullets that are certain sizes there's a list of things they like to see um, for example if there's a plus content that's better of than a listing that doesn't have a plus content one of the items on that checklist is advertising is advertising running on this product and if it's running it gets a better position it's not necessarily going to be the best versus the worst mm -hmm. but it's part of the big picture so in general, we want to try to run advertising for everything a seller sells. Um, even if it's a small amount, we still want to have it running. And what we'll typically do if a seller has many, many products and they don't want to give a full advertising push to every single product they sell, mm -hmm. we'll simply put all of their products into one automatic campaign. And that automatic campaign can have a small budget or a large budget, whatever the seller is comfortable with, but they can know that by having everything in that campaign, everything is getting advertised. It's getting advertised somewhere, whether it's a little bit or a lot, everything is getting some kind of coverage. It makes Amazon happy. It can give them um, unexpected information about what works or doesn't work as we watch the reports come in. But uh, basically it's going to be a campaign that catches all their inventory. And that's where the term comes from. So every, all their inventory goes into that campaign. Mm -hmm. And um, basically what we'll do is every product in that campaign will have its own group. Uh, even if there are different sizes of, of uh, apparel or even if there are different quantities of something that's multi-packs, each product will get its own group within the campaign. 
And as the campaign runs, we'll have more data and always the data we'll have will match to existing to exact products. So that's the key. Awesome. And how do you uh, act when you find it? Like, for example, you just taken over an account and you see that it doesn't have that perfect structure. And, but it, um, on the other hand, it does have a lot of orders, a lot of, you know, data that you have available to you. But at the same time, uh, are, would you be afraid of uh, that dip in performance in the meantime until you restructure everything? When you restructure and then it gets re-indexed and everything starts collecting data again, um, what are your experiences with doing restructuring of the campaigns that previously didn't have such a good structure? So, well, I'll tell you what I started doing and I'll tell you what I do now. When I started out, I basically had a couple of clients that were doing okay, but they were very clear holes in what they were doing. You know, certain things that were important were missing. And mm -hmm. what I did was I rebuilt all of their campaigns in structure that had worked for me mm -hmm. and that was very very bad for the account because everything that was doing well did not do well with the new structure even though the new structure was set up perfectly and it works with other campaigns and other accounts um, the overall account performance in that situation went down what i learned is that um, amazon likes existing campaigns that have history they like it and they prefer it so what I do now is I have to be very delicate. Um, and what I'll do is I'll try to isolate the best performing parts of what exists right now. Mm -hmm. I will leave those. I won't touch them. And I will just try to add delicately to additional, you know, additional campaigns and fixing things that don't work. So I'll give you an example. I have a, I have a client that um, sells bath products, you know, mm -hmm. items for the bathroom. And um, they had the issue that uh, they had six or seven products in the same, in the same group, uh, which, as I mentioned a moment ago, is something they shouldn't be doing. Mm -hmm. Now, the simplest way to fix a situation like that is to stop that campaign and start a whole bunch of new ones. But in that account, the number one SKU was selling 4,000 units a month. And all of the weaker SKUs were selling 20, 50, 80 units a month. Mm -hmm. So what I did was I paused the campaigns of all of the poor performing SKUs. I give those their own advertising. And I let that campaign keep running with its best SKU. And as far as Amazon is concerned, nothing changed for that SKU. Yeah. And that worked. It actually worked very well. All of the SKUs that started getting their own campaigns almost immediately went up anywhere from two to five X in sales once they started getting their own campaigns. Um, mm -hmm. So, and one of the things we realized is that um, that campaign was using up most of its budget every day. What we realized was that all of the budget was going to the best selling SKU. Mm -hmm. All of the other ones had no spend available to make sales. Once we started giving them their own campaign, and can adjust campaign budgets for each one, they like to spend money also, and they started generating sales, both ad sales and organic sales as rank went up. My experience is exactly the same. We're also very, very delicate when we're doing restructuring, and it usually is, you know, partial, one part by one part, and just like a couple of campaigns at a time, simply because, uh, you know, there's nowhere 
officially said that Amazon does this, but I very much think that they take into an account of historical performance, at least for the last couple of weeks of each campaign and assign quality scores to it, uh, similar uh, to the example from Google. Like if you probably, if you ran uh, ads on Google, you probably know there are quality scores, the keywords and campaigns. Um, and Google also doesn't officially assign quality scores to campaigns, but I know for sure that they are taking into account last 28 days performance um, when they're assigning keyword quality scores. And I think that's, that's exactly what happens to Amazon campaigns. And that's the reason why, you know, these performance dips are happening every time restructured. So that's definitely something to keep in mind. You know? And when it comes to these catch-all campaigns, um, there's this small twist to that strategy approach that I've heard some of our colleagues do very successfully. And that's like putting all, uh, it's very similar. You put all the products inside the same campaign and assign them like very, very small bits maybe like five to 10 cents uh, per click and just put uh, the campaign bidding strategy on fixed uh, bidding and a very large budget. So for example, if you have a couple of thousands uh, of SKUs in that campaign, you assign $1,000 per day on that campaign. And it really doesn't spend a lot, but it does show your products during those times of the day when there isn't a lot of traffic going on. Like for example, 2 a.m., um, 3 a.m. where the rest of the competition already depleted their budgets and that's when you show up and you're the only one you know actually offering a bid and it's 10 cents so if someone clicks you don't pay exactly for a lot um, and whenever a sale happens it's cheap that's what we've seen and uh, usually when you have like a huge portfolio it works really well um, both as a catch-all campaign but also some kind of you know cheap pipe that that will generate you cheap ACOS sales um, over time, like, like an additional income stream, which is um, interesting. Perhaps we have similar points of views. And um, that's the kind of similar setting that we have in our sponsored products uh, campaigns with different variations, of course, depending on the nature of the account and the category and all of the specifics. They're also always present. Right. And um, when it comes to product targeting, do you have any kind of you know, uh, patterns in which cases you prefer using it. So I just want to add one thing to what you said, mm -hmm. and this is part of what makes um, the, uh, the marketing space on Amazon so interesting, uh, which is that we don't know exactly why things happen. Um, yeah. You were mentioning that uh, you can get, you can get traffic at uh, times of day when people might not be advertising. But um, my theory as to why those low clicks work is actually a little bit different. Mm -hmm. And uh, I, th I think that there's a value to the thinking, but we can't know for sure. So my thinking is this. When you, bet, when you bid 15 cents or 10 cents, you will typically show up on page 2, 3, 12 of, a, mm -hmm. of the search. What happens is by the time a, a shopper gets to that far down, the listings have very poor relevance to whatever the seller is searching for. So most of the people that far down will have either poor quality listings or it just ranks randomly for one of the words in the search, but most of what's on the page is not great. Mm -hmm. However, if your listing is relevant to the search term and you are on page six, 
you automatically become the superstar of page six. Yeah. And the shopper might be tired of going through all those pages. They suddenly have something that looks so much better than everybody else, and you've got that sale. Exactly. So it's not the same as running in a time when nobody is advertising. Mm -hmm. You're running when everybody is advertising, but you are appealing to a very specific group of people who go well past the first couple of pages. That might also be the reason, exactly. Like, you know, there are some strategies where people specifically target those lower placements because not everyone sees that value in them when actually they can actually turn into your competitive advantage. Right. Yeah, I don't know that for, I don't know that there are so many situations where a strategy of targeting page 8 is really going to be useful. Mm -hmm. um, I think people that are talking about that I don't know what to say about people who are talking about that, but there are very, very limited situations where that will be useful. If you have a SKU which sells uh, 15,000 units a month and you are doing as well as possible at the top of every one of your terms, yes, you'll squeeze a couple of extra percentage yeah. points by having extra display space on page seven. But that doesn't really work for most sellers. Um, you know, typically giving that much attention to that strategy is not worth the time you're spending on it. I prefer to say more like a, you know, a low cost bid will give you some results. And there's a couple of ways to think about it, but be happy with what you're getting. Exactly, that's, that's the approach with that campaign type. Yes, now tell me your question again, because I forgot. Yeah, that was totally on point, what you just said. Um, yeah, about the product targeting. So we have keyword targeting pretty much covered here with the basics, but when it comes to product targeting, how do you decide to include product targeting as part of your strategy? So there are three ways that I use product targeting and three ways that I evaluate product targeting. The simplest way is as the advertising runs, especially with auto campaigns, Amazon is automatically putting your products on competing product pages and you'll see in your search term reports ASINs. So that means that Amazon showed your product, uh, the shopper liked your product better than what the ASIN was, and mm -hmm. they chose your product. If you get enough conversions like that, and it's competitive, you wanna intentionally be on those product pages. Simple as that, you weren't aware of it before. Amazon mm -hmm. told you that you're relevant, now you're going to be intentional about it. Mm -hmm. So that's number one. That's really the best way, because it already works, and you know it already works. Um, the second way is, trying to estimate where you think you should perform well. So if you have a product, and that works best with mature products. So mm -hmm. if you have 20 reviews and a low price, it's very clear that you should uh, target a competitor with much fewer reviews and a higher price. You should convert well in those cases. Um, it's not automatic that you will, which is why it's not the preferred way to do things, but also, again, with mature products or a product that you see is new to market and could be a direct competitor, yes, you'll intentionally want to focus on those people. Uh, the third thing that I do is a little bit of a twist, which mm -hmm. is to compete against my own SKUs. So mm -hmm. if I have five different variations of a SKU, I will run all of those variations in product targeting against each other. Mm -hmm. And because they are highly relevant, they are exactly that product page, I am usually able to put more of the spots in that carousel with my products. Mm -hmm. So if somebody looks for 
a water bottle, they'll see my water bottle. Once they're on my page, a third of the units will be my water bottle sponsored products, as opposed to them going to a different brand. I'm blocking everyone else out because I'm intentionally putting myself there. And that actually works really well for keeping people within my product selection. That's very interesting. I heard about that strategy. And um, have you tested maybe how it works for upsell potential? Like, for example, if someone is selling shampoo uh, to target, you know, your own shampoo with your conditioner, for example. Uh, I actually have targeted that. Mm -hmm. uh, well, so here's the thing. Um, I, I run campaigns like that and it performs. Mm -hmm. um, but I haven't tested it on its own exclusive of everything else. So what I mean is that uh, mm -hmm. say there is, uh, you know, say there's a shampoo and I have uh, four different scents of the shampoo. Mm -hmm. I'm advertising, like I told you, the four different scents on the product page. Now I am also advertising a bundle of shampoo and conditioner and all of those will sell. What's nice is that with the shampoo and conditioner, I'm typically getting extra margin because you're cutting down, as nothing else, you're cutting down mm -hmm. on the FBA fees, you're, you're getting charged for two separate sales. Yeah. So um, it does end up giving me a piece of the business more profitably. What I don't know is how good it is as an upsell, specifically because it's just part of that whole picture of some sales going to something else besides what the main you know, search was, uh, but it definitely does give you some extra piece of business. Interesting. Do you find, um, yeah, I, I actually, I actually had a conversation with a client about this once they sell, they have a, a product that sells, um, several thousand units a month across a bunch of colors mm -hmm. and they made a multi-pack and, uh, the multi-pack sells, sells a few dozen pieces a month. So I told the client and, you know, listen, you're rolling out all these multi-packs and it's getting an increase, you know, you're getting sales of those multi-packs, but your overall unit count isn't really growing. So I'm not sure how much time you should spend making all of these additions. And he actually told me, he goes, you're missing the point. If I sell 3,000 units of that individual SKU yeah. versus uh, 2,700 and 300 of the others, I am more profitable now. So I'm very happy introducing those others. I'd rather shift even a small piece of my sales to the more profitable skew, even if my overall count doesn't rise up. And uh, yeah, that's just one of the times I learned something from my clients. Yeah, I, I, I can totally relate. Um, my clients are my like ongoing training. In most of the cases, you can hear all kinds of things and just be blown away many times. <laughs> So that's that's super interesting. Listen, larger larger clients larger clients got to be larger because they're generally smart. So they almost always have something to teach us. That's true. That's totally true. Um, with that kind of approach, um, the first thing that comes up my mind is that with bundles, you're not always able to be super specific with uh, keyword targeting. So you have to use alternative um, approaches like maybe you know display targeting or maybe you know sponsored brands what is your approach with targeting bundles how do you handle that so i don't have a very specific approach it's really dependent on the product mm -hmm. sometimes bundles will be multi-packs sometimes bundles will be unrelated items that have a 
loose connection and sometimes mm -hmm. products will be a very tight connection. And in each case, we'll try to give it uh, some focus. I guess the best way to say it is that it really is experimental in every case. We'll throw some advertising at it, see how well it does. If it does well, we'll throw some more advertising at it. Mm -hmm. But I don't know that I have a very, I don't know that I have a very set structure of how I work with those bundles. Also, there's something else. Bundles are typically introduced um, as a way to increase sales of something that's already doing well. So there is already a baseline, and you want to be careful not to hurt your existing sales by, conf by confusing the customers. Mm -hmm. that's, that's exactly correct, especially if you have repeated sales as part of your business, like, like we just mentioned, shampoos, people buy them on an ongoing basis, month to month, and you want to make sure that, they, that you're easy to right. find. Interesting. Right. And what I'm thinking of is a case where if you have a shampoo and conditioner and the shampoo and conditioner is double the price of the shampoo, if you advertise that shampoo and conditioner aggressively, all of a sudden the top spot for a search is taken up by a SKU that costs double any of the other listings that are there. Yeah. You're hurting your shampoo listing. The shampoo listing on its own is very competitive and sells. But by being aggressive with that bundle, you've hurt your initial sale, SKU sales. So, you know, that's just a, a clear example, but I'm sure there's a lot of other ways it can play out where the idea is, sounds good on the face of it, of, of, sell, of upselling, but mm -hmm. uh, it might have unintended consequences. That's, that's very interesting. Um, also, like, for example, we know that when we try to advertise bundles versus individual products, we just try to separate that and have like, a, you know, individual products uh, that are oriented towards profitability and everything we can do for them to harvest even more you know sales at an affordable a cost and at the same time when we advertise for bundles it's like take that growth approach and a separate budget just for that and analyze the the the, the performance individually for each one of those but we haven't had so far that explicit a situation where something is affected that much so that we were able to isolate that this was the reason why it happened what's your yeah, experience i don't think I, I don't i don't think amazon ever wants to tell you exactly why something happens once the more you know about amazon the easier it is to uh mm -hmm. manipulate things to your advantage and although both of us are working with uh, the genuine interest of of our clients you know, as you can imagine, there are all sorts of sellers that would use things in ways that Amazon doesn't intend or want. So they'll always have a layer of mystery in there. Uh, typically, what we do is we try to focus on the core of getting sales. We want the basic ad types, the basic ad structures should get you the bulk of your business. Once you have that bulk of business coming in, mm -hmm. you can experiment with all sorts of things all day long. And um, that's what we do. You know, we'll start off with the core campaign types, like I told you. Mm -hmm. And as we learn more, we add little bits here and there. We'll start with uh, things like related uh, campaigns and the cross advertising and a little bit by a little bit that'll add an incremental volume to the business. I see. That's, that's, um, that's a very healthy approach. Just start with the pretty basic stuff and then build up, test out whatever works. Interesting. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's what worked for us so far. 
Cool. Um, we also uh, discussed that you were recently on a very familiar event. Uh, can you tell us a little bit more about ASDTG and uh, how, when was the first time you uh, were on the event and this year, how was this year for you? Sure. So um, the event we're talking about is called ASGTG. I don't actually know what ASGTG stands for, but um, it's not so important because it has its own reputation in the world of sellers by this point. Um, ASGTG is a group that was started by a man named Ed Rosenberg and uh, he didn't you know he wanted to create a community for sellers that uh, we could exchange information and ask questions and be able to get good feedback um, and he used a platform called telegram mm -hmm. it's a little bit different than Facebook it's a little bit different than whatsapp it's uh, there are a few unique features about it and um, one of the things that he's been able to do is to create a group of groups. So everything is under the umbrella of ASGTG, but depending on whatever your focus is, there are separate groups for it. So there are groups for advertising, there are groups for people that sell on Walmart, there are people for, groups for people who need help with sourcing, there are groups for people who are new, there are groups for people who are advanced, and there are probably six times more groups than what I just mentioned. Um, and depending on what you do, there are people, you know, there are groups specific to countries and marketplaces. There's Amazon Japan and Amazon Israel and Amazon UK. And people will get into those to discuss issues specific to those issues, you know, to those topics and those groups. So it's wide and it's vibrant and there's a lot going on there. Um, to support those groups, um, he realized that there's, even in the there's also something lacking. Um, mm -hmm. He felt that uh, the agendas at a lot of these connections, at a lot of these um, events, weren't so focused on what sellers really needed. And uh, in a lot of cases, the networking was not so great because they might have a very, very wide range of people that are not in tune with each other. So he started the ASGTG event, and um, it's held in Brooklyn, New York which is one of the top markets, you know, one of the top locations for Amazon sellers in the United States. Um, I think 3% of all sellers over a million dollars are located there and 7% of all sellers are located in Brooklyn. Both are amazing, amazing stats. Um, so I held the event in Brooklyn. It's been going on for either four or five years now. Um, I missed the first event. It was not on my radar yet. The second year I started to hear about it, a couple of friends said it's gonna be interesting. I went and um, I sat in on all of the sessions, all of the events, uh, all of the conference, you know, the little uh, conferences. And um, it was very, very interesting. There was a lot of data, there was a lot of information. And I basically was in that big conference room for the entire day. Um, the second year I realized that uh, I had been seeing a lot of people I know. So what ended up happening was I spent a little bit less time in the actual sessions and a little bit more time in the networking areas. Mm -hmm. And I saw people I knew, I saw people I hadn't seen in years, I saw people that I only knew from social media, and that added a whole new dimension to the value of the event for me. Um, seeing people that you don't see anywhere except in social media, you're able to have conversations you'll never have otherwise. Things that uh, 
the things that go over people's heads in a text message will go over much better when you're speaking to them and there's a much better flow of conversation. I mean, that's just the way people work. So the second year was a completely different event for me, you know, with the additional aspect of networking built in. I enjoyed it much more than the first year. And this year, which was just last week, uh, was again, even more of a shift towards networking. Um, mm -hmm. I hate to admit it, but I probably missed half of the sessions. Um, not that I couldn't have gotten anything from them, and I was actually a little bit upset that I missed one specific event or one specific uh, talk. But um, the ability to speak to, again, people that I know and people that wanted to speak to me and people that uh, had I had had an introduction with a couple of weeks ago, but we said, let's talk at the event, it, mm -hmm. it's, it's priceless. Okay. Um, as an example, I, I met somebody that I had done a little bit of consulting for a year ago. And uh, we didn't speak much since then, even though the conversation, you know, even though the work went well, we didn't speak much in that year past. We sat down here, we just happened to be sitting next to each other with plates of food, and we spent 40 minutes talking. And, uh, you know, I showed him different things he could tweak in his business, issues that he had had for a while that he really couldn't discuss with anyone else. He said, listen, I have this issue. And um, since you've been inside my business, what do you think about this? Mm -hmm. And I said, listen, I know, how you run, I know how you run your business because I've been in there and you have this issue that prevents you from fixing it. Change this a little bit. I said, wow, I didn't think of that. And that right away become, became productive for him. Mm -hmm. And I was able to give him a little bit of value. And as a consultant, the idea is that if I give him and others enough value, it's going to come back to me in that big circle of how the world works. That is correct, exactly. Um, out of the presentations you were able to attend, um, can you tell us a little bit more what the content of the event is generally? So Ed's content and the ASGTG content is generally a little bit higher level than you'll hear at other shows. Mm -hmm. um, there was someone speaking about driving off Amazon traffic. Uh, over to your Amazon listings. And they were talking about very unique things that you won't hear anywhere else. Things like uh, writing press releases and uh, other, you know, other very unexpected you know, ideas and tasks and, uh, you know, in incentives that you can give to bring people over to your listings, not just run a Facebook ad or give money to an influencer. This was a little bit more targeted and things you wouldn't hear otherwise. So that was a man named Norman Farrar. He's actually got a beard larger than surprised I wasn't able to get a picture with him for a compare, but uh, everybody came to me and said, uh, hey, there's somebody there with a beard bigger than yours. So uh, that was one of the uh, that was one of the presentations. Um, another one was by a man named Beer Cohen. He is very, very smart. Uh, for whatever we've been discussing about PPC, he's like four levels above us in terms of sophistication. And mm -hmm. he was talking both about advertising and also about social media presence and traffic. That also was something that was useful. Uh, there were a couple of other presenters as well. They had someone that was there from Amazon giving a talk, which is mm -hmm. something you don't see at any other conference. Yeah. Nobody gets actual Amazon employees to speak. You had an Amazon employee that was there for a Q&A session where people were able to submit questions and get those questions answered. Again, something you won't see anywhere else. And then they gave a specific talk about, you know, seller health and about things that we can do to improve our performance, uh, things you won't hear anywhere. 
for me personally, though, the best event of the day was um, a man named Joe, and I don't know how to pronounce his last name. There are, uh, it, I keep trying to, to pronounce it, and I won't even uh, attempt it for the podcast, but he's the man who runs a website called Marketplace Pulse. Mm-hmm. And um, his basically his his publication and his marketplace pulse is dedicated to keeping tabs on Amazon and how the platform is evolving over time, as well as even the other marketplaces that exist. And he gave a talk on the year that just passed for Amazon and for other platforms. That for me was the most fascinating talk of the day, of the week, of the month. He was talking about how Amazon compares to Wish and Alibaba and to other platforms all around the world. He was talking about how the makeup of sellers are on Amazon, how many sellers are small, how many sellers are large, how many sellers are inactive. You know, for example, if there are 8 million sellers on Amazon, in reality, 5 million are inactive. They just open accounts and never do sell a single unit. And he actually broke that down for us. Mm-hmm. He broke down who Amazon's top competitors are who they are currently, who's coming up, who thinks has potential. And some of the insights were very, very interesting. Um, His thoughts on Walmart, his thoughts on Google Shopping. uh, That for me was the best session of the day by far. And I've heard him speak at other conferences. Also, everything he puts out is top notch. It really puts the world of Amazon into a different perspective without necessarily talking about do this or do this or do this. It's nice to have a top-level view of what's happening. Mm-hmm. Um, did he say anything specifically about new and upcoming platforms? Like, for example, we know that Walmart just recently rolled out their own PPC platform, which is right now pretty rudimentary, but I'm guessing it will evolve. Did he mention anything like more specific around that? So he didn't talk about the Walmart advertising platform specifically, but both Walmart and Google shopping were the ones that he singled out for the most potential growth in relation to Amazon. He said those are the two platforms that are putting the most into competing with Amazon. They have the the best starting points, and those are the ones which are going to uh, give Amazon the most trouble over time. And it's probably, although he didn't say it, the reasons are pretty clear. You know, Google on one hand has top of funnel searches that Amazon doesn't have. You know, Amazon searches are very much focused on people that want to buy. Yeah. And which is very good. That's great for, uh, that's great in a hundred ways. You know, you know that your products are being put in front of people who want to buy. But Google has the top level search. So when people don't know what vacuum cleaner they want, a lot of times they'll go to Google for websites about reviews or other things. They do have a lot of traffic and uh, they have access to a completely different base of possible shoppers than Amazon does. And if they can capitalize on that, they'll be able to do a lot. I mean, it's no secret. Amazon is one of the top advertisers on Google themselves. So, you know, Amazon knows the value of that traffic themselves. And if Google can capitalize on it, you know, they they have access to a lot of shoppers. There's also an interesting thing where if Google starts to um, maybe penalize Amazon or not be so happy with giving them the best ad placements, you know, that could be something which sets up a very big uh, competition between the two. Um, so that's Google. They have their own spot. It's a very unique spot. They can take on Amazon without having to do exactly what Amazon does. Uh, the other big competitor is, of course, Walmart. Mm-hmm. And with Walmart, 
their their um, advantages there also in that they have their regular retail network, which is as large as any in the world, if not larger. So they have people that know the Walmart name. They have people that instinctively go to the app when they want to buy something locally. And they have a base from which to build sales from, which no, no other competitor does. They don't have to spend the same to advertise and bring people to Walmart. They're there already. I can tell you now that in a lot of cases, uh, if I have to shop at the Walmart near me, mm -hmm. I'll go to the app and I will look for whatever options are there and I'll use that app to find out where in the store it is because they'll tell you. I don't have to run around looking for a popcorn popper. I know it's an aisle 16 because the app told me. So, you know, I have, it gives me direction. It keeps me connected to Walmart. And yeah. I'll also see if the, if the, you know, if the thing I really want doesn't happen to be in the store, it's easy enough to make the purchase right from the app in that situation. So they also have a unique angle on shoppers yeah. that Amazon doesn't have. And that is an angle which is big enough to take significant market share. But this is also pretty good news for sellers, especially, you know, whoever owns private label brands. Like you can use Google for top of the funnel searches and get harvest that top of the funnel traffic. You can use Amazon for purchases that are already for people who are ready to purchase. And you can also uh, list on Walmart for people who are more oriented towards, you know, b being loyal customers. But at the same time, this uh, offline presence is very strong with Walmart. I think it's also one of their main advantages. Oh, yeah, that's definitely true. Um, one of the things that's nice about Walmart is that uh, they're still very selective in who they allow to sell. Mm -hmm. So just the fact that you can get onto Walmart gives you better exposure and you'll actually be able to put up a pretty nice proportion of sales compared to Amazon. So, you know, the proportion of sales you get is far out of, out of relation to Amazon's versus Walmart's overall e-commerce size. Yeah, I haven't thought of that, but actually it means less competition and higher conversion rates on Walmart, right? right. Yeah, that's, uh, that's the idea. Yeah, I was just speaking with, um, with someone who's very experienced in Walmart, I mean, as experienced as you can be, and they've been, they've been working with Walmart as a partner for advertising, and they're saying that um, the, the conversion rates are very, very high with the advertising. So having access to those shoppers can be very useful. And do you know maybe what are the main parameters that someone should, um, what are the main conditions someone should meet in order to list on Walmart? Um, the truth is I'm not sure. Applications to Walmart are not part of my regular business offerings. <laughs> So I haven't had to worry so much about the people getting approved or getting people approved. In mm -hmm. general, it's they want somebody who's going to add to the platform. Mm -hmm. If you have a pair of Bluetooth headphones that are literally exactly the same like every other Bluetooth headphone on Amazon, you're probably not going to get approved as an account. If you have an established brand or you have a unique offering or you have sales in other places, like you've got some retail distribution, then you'll be likely to get an Amazon, uh, a Walmart approval. Mm -hmm. 
Okay, um, it does um, sound like something worth looking into because it's a new and up and coming platform online for selling online. So whoever wants to expand their presence and maximize sales should think, should have a multi-platform approach, definitely. So Walmart is one of their first things to discover. Agreed. Yeah, that I would definitely agree with. Okay, um, interesting insights you have shared with us today. Is there anything else you'd like to say to our audiences? Oh boy, I wasn't ready for this question. Um, <laughs> the only thing I can say is uh, don't get discouraged after a week. Uh, that's a lot of times people will, you know, I hear from a lot of people that say, I've been advertising for a week, I spent $100 and I'm not selling. Mm -hmm. Take a little bit more time and see how things go and uh, try to make some adjustments. That's some good advice. Um, I mean, you know, Amazon spoils people. Like if they try to achieve anything on Google, they would know what the long-term mindset actually is. Like whatever you're trying to achieve on Google, it would take between anywhere between 12 and 18 months. And on Amazon, it's like three to four months. You're already achieving something. And, you know, they, they can't afford even that time wise, which is why right. many of them. Yeah. Cannot. Yeah, I, I would definitely say it's true. I have friends that uh, are managing Google advertising and they won't even take a client unless they are ready to make a six month plus commitment. There's simply nothing you can nothing you can achieve within the 30, 60, 90 days uh, that you can measure by. And Amazon is. But if you haven't figured it out within 90 days, at least the general direction of where you're going, mm -hmm, it's probably mm -hmm. not going to work, you know, but you should know by that. Google, you want. Yeah, that's definitely true. That's 100% true. Um, thank you, Abe, for being our guest today. And it was very really nice to have you. We are hoping to hear from you again uh, soon. Definitely. I'm always happy to uh, help you, help your audience. And uh, if you have any questions, you know, definitely reach out to me. I'm happy to help. Yes, I'll leave in the video description. I will leave a link uh, to, to Abe's um, agency website, as well as HGTG link for anyone who wants to join their Telegram messaging platform. Perfect. So, yes. All right. I appreciate it. Thank you.